the world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. While orphan diseases are defined as fewer than 200,000 patients in the U.S., sometimes when we consider these diseases together, we find that their symptoms may source from a common root. And that root may be something that would normally be considered beneficial. In the case we're talking about today, that would be neutrophils, the white blood cells that act as our immune system's first line of defense. Too much of a good thing at the wrong time can lead to medical challenges in and of themselves. Today, I speak with Dr. James Mackay, the president and CEO of Aristea Therapeutics. Well, Dr. Mackay, welcome to Biotech Nation. Thank you very much, Moira. It's nice to be here. Okay, here's a quick question. What condition does a 175,000 postmenopausal women in the U.S. have that most people have never heard of? Uh, it's a, Moira, it's a disease called palmer plantar pustulosis, or more easily PPP, which is probably what we'll say for the, uh, the rest of the discussion. Um, it's an inflammatory skin condition uh, where people get um, these outbreaks of pustules, so sort of like blisters on the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet, um, nowhere else in the body, um, extremely painful um, disease. And as you said, it's primarily um, observed in postmenopausal women and interestingly, in uh, primarily in people who are either current cigarette smokers or previous cigarette smokers. Now, 175,000, I mean, 175,000 women. So pretty much, you probably know someone who has it if you live in the U.S. You may not know about it precisely. Uh, but, I mean, is it a rare disease? Is it considered a rare disease? It is considered a rare disease. So one of the challenges with the with the disease is that often, you know, the, 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 your primary care physician will not necessarily diagnose the disease correctly to begin with. They'll think it's some form of psoriasis that's on the, the hands or, and or the feet. Um, and they'll, you know, use normal treatments that they would do for psoriasis, some a topical steroid cream, um, or um, some other treatment, but it doesn't work for uh, palmar plantar pustulosis. And then what happens is that the patient's then referred to a dermatologist who will then diagnose the disease and start different treatments. So a lot of people that have PPP probably don't know that they actually have the disease. What's the standard of care now for treating PPP? Yeah, so initially, as I indicated, the, the, your primary care physician will probably just give you a standard steroid treatment, cre a cream to put on the, the areas. That probably won't work. Um, when the patient gets referred to a dermatologist, they'll normally start with some um, oral um, tablets, um, um, something like um, acetretin um, or methotrexate or cyclosporin. Um, That's serious. Yeah, <laughs> drugs that are, but are, are, are often used by dermatologists to treat skin conditions. Um, but again, they don't work that well for this disease, and none of them are approved by the FDA. Um, uh, dermatologists... Well, they're approved by the FDA, but not, not for, this, for the disease. This Co disease. Correct, Maura. 
Um, and then um, often dermatologists will move on to to use injectable biologics. Um, so, you know, more uh, recently developed drugs that um, have been approved for, um, again, for psoriasis. Um, they're normally a, a once a month injection. Um, but again, none of those are actually approved for PPP and none of them really work consistently. So these patients are really, um, you know, I've got a, a, they're suffering a lot. Um, and, you know, we're trying to do something to help them. Now, you don't get down the road to uh, biologics and infusions and once-a-month injections unless this is a really painful disease. Tell us about what this is like if you have this condition. Yeah, so the patients will tell you that the there are really two things that are, uh, are, are bad about this disease. One is the just what the disease looks like. So, you know, if anybody wants to, to Google palmoplantar plantar postulosis and, and look at the pictures, um, you know, they'll see that this is really nasty. The skin is cracked open. The, you can see that the, uh, the hands are all inflamed and, and cracked. Um, so just the appearance of it, you know, psychologically for people is, is, is not good. But then secondly, and maybe even more importantly, the patients say that the pain that they suffer um, because the... Um, the skin, you're you're right at the area where you know if you crack the skin open, then you're going to get a lot of pain there. And what happens is that these patients get what are called a flare, multiple flares. So the disease flares up and they get all these pustules on the, the hand. Then the skin dries out, it cracks, and then they get another flare. So they get new pustules on top of the cracked skin. Um, and that becomes extremely painful. Um, and if it's on your hands, obviously, you know, it's difficult to do everyday tasks. If it's on your feet, then it's difficult to actually even walk. Your heart really goes out to these people. Oh, yeah, they have. I mean, let me tell you a story of one of the patients who um, uh, was in our um, last clinical trial that we did, our phase 2A clinical trial. She actually drove six hours each way to get to the site where they were running the clinical trial because she wanted the opportunity to at least try to, to take the, uh, the medicine and see if it would help her. So I think that gives you an indication of what people are prepared to do in order to try and get something that will actually, you know, alleviate this disease in some way. Well, okay, let's get to the root of it. What causes this condition? So we don't really know. It's a, As we indicated at the beginning, it's a fairly rare disease, and so there's not a lot of basic um, research has been done on the, the disease. Um, obviously, as more treatments like um, our potential treatment are developed, more and more is understood about the disease. Um, it's highly likely that it's linked to cigarette smoking. 85% um, plus of people are either current um, cigarette smokers or, um, or previous um, cigarette smokers. Um, it's likely that it's related to the nicotine receptor. So obviously you get nicotine in the, in the cigarettes. There's a nicotine receptor um, in the sweat duct of the, uh, of the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet. So it's something to do with the interaction with, uh, with that nicotine receptor receptor. But most of that is really um, hypothesis or idea at this stage. Um, it still needs to be proven. And we've seen this in other conditions. For instance, for people who have been diagnosed as bipolar, we find that 85% of them 
smoke. And and many of the treatments specifically for bipolar are trying to hit the nicotinic receptors. So in some sense, you know, they're self-medicating. You know, we have yeah. drugs that can hit the nicotinic receptors. Cigarette smoking does and other things as well. So we don't want to say that, oh, you smoke and you get this. It's just that the that we know it has something to do with the nicotinic receptors, and not everybody who smokes gets this condition. No, that's correct. Not everyone that smokes. The interesting thing is that if people have the condition and they stop smoking, it does actually get better. It doesn't go away completely. So, um, someone who ha- who someone who's a cigarette smoker will maybe have six to eight flares a year. Someone who's an ex-smoker will maybe have four to six flares a year. So they get fewer instances of the disease breaking out on their hands and feet, but it never goes away. Never goes away. Okay, so now we know what our target is. What are you doing? What 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 are you trying to do here? So we're developing a, a molecule called RIST4721. Um, it's, a, it's what's called a CXCR2 antagonist. So um, CXCR2 is a receptor that sits on multiple different cells that are part of the inflammatory um, system in the body. And our molecule actually um, blocks the CXCR2 receptor and stops the, uh, the, these particular cells called neutrophils that are found in your bone marrow. It stops those cells moving from the bone marrow out into the blood and to the site of inflammation. Um, and, and by doing that, we can actually break the cycle of inflammation and dampen down the inflammation that these patients are, are experiencing. Does this have anything to do with the nicotinic receptors? No, it doesn't have anything to do with that. So this is just a question of the inflammation that is caused by this condition. You're saying, nope, we're not going to feed the inflammation. That's correct. So if you look at palmar plantar pustulosis and you look at these pustules or blisters that they get on the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet and you um, sample those, then they're full of neutrophils. So the neutrophils, something, you know, causes the inflammatory reaction in the hands and the feet to begin with. Um, probably that's to do with the nicotine receptor. And then it bas- they basically send signals out to the neutrophils to pull them from the bone marrow through the blood to the, the epidermis of the skin on the, on the hands and the feet. And the more and more neutrophils you get, the more bigger the inflammatory response is. And our drug actually stops the neutrophils moving from the bone marrow to the to the site of inflammation. So we dampen down the inflammation. So the inflammation says bring in the bring on the neutrophils. Once the neutrophils arrive, this starts again. Yeah, so when once the neutrophils arrive, they actually send out more signals. Come on um, over. To say, you know, tell their, all their friends to come over and, and help out to deal with the, uh, you know, the, the insult that's there originally that's caused the, uh, the inflammation. So the idea is just keep the neutrophils away. We're going we're gonna to really keep down this inflammation. You are currently in phase two. In fact, it's phase 2B. 
obviously you've seen some success or the FDA wouldn't be supporting this uh, at this point. Yeah, so we've completed the phase one trials are really where you're testing out the safety of the molecule. It's the first time that you give it to humans. Um, You're testing out the safety and you're looking across a range of of dose levels and you use that to to narrow down the, the, the amount of the drug that you're actually going to give in the next phase, which is phase 2A, which we've completed. And phase 2A is where you're really trying to find out, does the drug actually work in the disease that you're trying to treat? And we completed a phase 2A study um, about a year ago, and we saw some um, nice reductions in the severity of the disease when, um, when our drug was used in these patients. And then that's allowed us to move into what, as you said, the phase 2B, which is called the dose ranging. Um, So you know that the drug has some effect on the disease. And what you want to do now is to study it at multiple different dose levels to determine what is the correct dose level to use ultimately um, um, in uh, in patients that have this disease. And that's a very important trial because you may want to increase the dosage to get reduced inflammation, but it may introduce side effects. Yeah, that, that's correct. And in the phase 2A trial, we used a, a single dose level of 300 milligrams. And based on that data, um, we've decided to use two different dose levels in the phase 2B, one which is higher, which is 400 milligrams, and one which is lower, which is 200 milligrams. So we're really trying to understand that range of dose levels to make sure that you can get a dose level where you you get a reduction in the disease severity, but it's also still, um, you know, the safety profile is acceptable for the patients. Your phase 2B, that's fairly new. Are you, are you still enrolling for that? So it's a relatively new trial. We started um, recruiting uh, patients into that trial in April um, this year. Um, it's a fairly large trial for a, for a rare disease. There are 156 patients in the trial. Um, so it's going to take a while for us to recruit those patients. And we'll probably see the data um, from this trial in the second half of 2023. So, um, you know, at least sort of 15 months or so from now. So if you are a patient or know someone who has this condition, uh, how do they find out if they're a candidate for this trial? Yeah, so if you go to um, our website, www.aristeatx.com, you will see all the clinical trials that we're running on the website, and we'll be able to um, to click on those, and uh, that will take you to a link where you can find um, investigational sites that are um, that are actually running the trial, and then patients should contact those investigational sites directly rather than the rather than the company. They'll 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 tell you where to go. Those Correct. links will tell you where to go. Correct. Now you did say there were other trials, and you are running other trials for other conditions. What are they? We are. So once we once we saw that the drug was working in, in, in PPP, um, you know, we started to look for other diseases where neutrophils were playing a key role um, in the disease. And we identified three other 
diseases where we're running um, phase 2A um, trials, so the, the earlier stage of, of development. Um, they're, uh, they're, the three diseases are called familial Mediterranean fever, or FMF, um, Bichette's disease, and um, hydratinitis suprativa, or HS, really nasty diseases, um, you know, where the patients need um, new treatments in order yeah. to be able to help them. So we're doing, um, you know, three phase 2A studies, uh, which will we'll see the data for those probably around about the same time as we see the phase 2B study for PPP, so probably towards the second half of 2023. Well, James, thanks so much for coming in. I hope you'll come back. Keep us updated. Moira, it's, it's a pleasure. I'll be happy to come back and talk once we uh, see the data from those clinical trials. And you're the one that made neutrophils sound like a bad idea. They sound so friendly. <laughs> oh, no more neutrophils for us, right? Well, neutrophils are friendly as well because they actually help you fight infection. Um, so, you know, it is important that we still have neutrophils and that they're still functional. All we are doing is trying to stop them uh, perpetuating the uh, inflammation in the body. That's great. Thanks again. Uh, it's my pleasure, Maura. Thank you. Dr. James Mackay is the president and CEO of Aristea Therapeutics. More information about enrolling in Aristea's clinical trials, and all Aristea efforts are available on the web at aristeatx.com. That's Aristea, A-R-I-S-T-E-A-T-X.com. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotech Nation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For Biotech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.